0: Uh, good morning Creekside uh, I'm Mark I'm one of the pastors here and this is a very unusual morning okay so I'm gonna let you know some of the weird things about this morning um one is uh this is an annual uh meeting sunday it's our vision sunday uh which means that uh we we have like so we're gonna we're gonna we've Worship the Lord, we're gonna open the Word of God together, but we're also gonna have like a little bit of an annual meeting, like a business meeting in this. And I'll just give you like the full history. So, used to be we do it on a separate night and everything else, and just the members would come. And um, we, we've moved it to Sunday morning because it's actually a great way not only to, to get as many of our members as possible. Um, in the loop on these things but we also believe it's important for everybody uh, in our church family whether you've gone through the membership process or not to know what are we doing with our finances how are we um, making decisions um, who's who's like leading the church those kinds of things we think is really important for all of us to be a part of and so um, so this morning will look a little different we'll be a, a little shorter in our time in the word um, and we'll have some of those things but I'll say this if you so if you're visiting with us welcome we're very glad to have you here um, you, you kind of picked the wrong Sunday in a one sense. Uh, in another sense, it's perfect because what we're going to really do is just lay out our heart and who we are and where we're headed and how we're using the resources God's given us. So it's kind of a unique window into who we are as a church family. And so um, so I think you chose great, and, um, and we'll have a good time together. Um, aside from, uh, no, it will all be delightful. So the other thing that makes this morning weird is that I am um, – Like a few hours away from being on sabbatical. Um, Yeah, which is wild. Um, Which is really wild. So, I want to kind of, in unfolding what we're going to do this morning. we're, we're trying to talk about the vision of what's ahead. And I just want to kind of give you, give you guys a sense. So one, just the nuts and bolts. Um, like, I just want to say like a profound thank you to, um, to our elders for having a sabbatical policy that was put in place maybe five or six years ago. And it's just such a beautiful, healthy thing. Um, a couple of other staff members have been able to, to take advantage of that. And it's just such a good, healthy rhythm um, for us. Also, thank you for the church family. I, I just have to say like my like the um like it's such a huge honor for me to be able to be your pastor and I have just been so blessed by this family and it's not easy for me to step away not because I think everything is going everything is going to go great and smoothly and we have a beautiful plan I'll talk just a little bit about that um but it's just I'm going to miss um being in and part of everything, you know? So, like, there's a discipline in me um, stepping away for a minute. What we're going to do, the, the kind of main thing we have planned as a family, um, and I invite you, like, if I'll post some stuff on Instagram if you want to um, get on there. It'll go onto Facebook, too, for those of you that are there. And um, uh, I'm, I'm Mark Buving on um, Instagram. I'm the only one that uh, isn't writing only in Dutch, and uh, so you can find me there. Um, but, uh, we're, we're going to, uh, the main part of it, we're going to go to Washington, D.C. As a family, we've been, like, planning and saving for that for a few years. And I'm really excited. Our girls are at a perfect age to enjoy that. So we'll do that when the girls are out of school. I also, um, tomorrow, actually get on a plane. I have a, a friend that is blessing us with a trip to a Greek isle um, to get to stay there. And so, right? It's going to be kind of amazing. So we literally leave tomorrow on that. And, um, and you guys can enjoy the hot summer here. So, um <laughs> we'll be there for, for like nine days. Um, anyway, um, my, my goal with the sabbatical, on um, the, the purpose behind it, it's not a project-based sabbatical, it's a rest-based one. And so my goal in it is to spend this next three months um, focusing on being a sheep rather than being a shepherd. And um, I believe God's made me to be a shepherd, um, and I love it. It's like, it's just so much of what I love. I feel like I get to do exactly what God made me to do. I, um, I love you guys. I love doing this with you guys. Um, but I think it's so vital to just step back and be like, okay, there's, there's no one whose soul I'm caring for spiritually right now other than my family. Um, and I just get to be like a sheep led by, uh, led by the good shepherd, and I'm excited about that. I'll be around um, all summer, but not around, you know. So um, so anyway, that's just kind of how that works. Um, what's your plan for my sabbatical? I just want to lay this out real quick. Um, Nothing changes for you guys, okay? I I want you just to keep being a family. Um, What makes this whole church family so inspiring is all of you guys and what you do, and so nothing changes there. Um, on Sundays, that might feel the most different because you won't see me on Sundays, but um, Nathan is going to step up. He's going to do half of the preaching, so he's going to keep a um, thread of continuity um, in that. Uh, Also, all of the elders are going to preach um, once during this sabbatical, and um, I I am really excited for you about that. I have to, so I just want to say this. Every pastor that I've told that that's my plan um, has been like, ooh, I I don't know if you want to have non-professional people preaching that much, and I said, yeah, I do. I know that because it's a cultural thing, right? Um, we you guys aren't here because um, because you're like I need a sermon that is just going to blow me away every Sunday. Um, we're here because we're a family, right? And culturally, I'm just so excited for you. The, the elder team we have right now is just so beautiful, and their hearts are so for you guys. And so I'm excited for you to hear what God's put on their hearts. It's going to be a stretch for them, um, but it just really leans into this reality that we are a family. Um, and I feel like it's culturally just putting our money on that. We're a family. And so um, that's, that's what you're going to experience. Um, you're going to be talking through spiritual disciplines all summer, and then when I get back in August, we're going to spend um, at least a year in the Gospel of Mark, just slowly going through a, a, a book of the Bible and sitting in that, and it's going to be beautiful. If you guys need anything pastorally while I'm gone, um, nothing changes there either. Um, Nathan is here to care for you. The elders are stepping up to care for you. All of our ministry staff are here to help care for you. So just reach out um, anywhere you can, and there's a lot of help. Um, for this, I want to give you my um, I want to give you my charge. I'm going to open the Word of God um, to to Ephesians chapter two. So if you want to go there, um, my my charge is this. I don't want to nothing like as we look ahead. Um, Vision Sunday is a great opportunity for us just to kind of say what's God done this last year? Where are we headed? I feel like here's where we're standing right now. God has done. Beautiful, beautiful things in this church family. Like, so, such amazing things. We've been through a lot since COVID and all the things that have changed with that. And God, I think, has been giving us this culture of we're a family, we're invested, we belong to each other. The, 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 the impact that we're having on the community is a relational impact. And it's not big scale, not initiative based, but it's, um, it's pockets and places where we're overlapping lives with the people around us. And so it's all very relational thing. And so we've been in this space, we're going to continue in this for the summer, and then looking out beyond it, um, I want to share a few things along those lines, but it all is all about us together, working together. Um, I, b- I read this book called Citizens by John Alexander. It's, it's kind of for businesses, but the subtitle of it is Why the Key to Fixing Everything is All of Us. So writing in the context of businesses, this is what he says. Businesses need to become platforms enabling people to undertake purposeful action in the world as opposed to trying to deliver for people without our involvement. It's about, it's about creating structured opportunities for people, not just to buy products and services from the business, but to buy into what the business is trying to do in the world. Super idealistic. What he's saying is um, businesses shouldn't be just selling products to passive consumers, right? It should be, let's, let's be a, a, a company, a business, that is um, enabling people to take action in the world. It needs to be all of us, not just your passive and uh, businesses active and giving you what we think you need, but saying there's something bigger, a greater purpose, and let's, let's be a business that empowers that, enables that. Um, I think that's great. I have my huge, huge skepticism for what that would look like as a business. Um, I think businesses are going to be businesses, and that's kind of how that works in a capitalistic society. However, I read that, and it makes me very nervous because what I see in his description of business as like a consumer-based thing, we have the products, and we hand it to you. I see that as a really, unfortunately, great description of churches, modern American churches. We have a product, and you need it, and we will give it to you, and you will be passive consumers of that product. I think that is how um, churches tend to function. You're here to the extent that you get a product that you enjoy and appreciate. I think that's especially how Sunday morning um, functions in the modern American church. And I think his question to businesses, rather than, Uh, give consumers something, all from us to you, um, it's saying, what if we get people to buy into this greater thing that we're trying to do in the world? That, to me, is exactly what the church is meant to be. There's something we are trying to do in this world, and I can't do it for you, and no amount of leadership in the church can do it for you. It's something that we can do together, or it won't happen. I think that is um, that is so much my heart as I step away from this thing, is it? it's never had anything to do with me. Um, it's never really had anything to do with my role other than trying to be someone beating a drum saying, this matters. We matter to each other. Um, what God's calling us into, what he's inviting us into like that is like it's supposed to be there's this vision of the church that god has created that is so beautiful that is so profound he invites us into that and i I want us to believe that it's possible and i want us to believe that it's valuable i want us to believe that it's better than any other passive consumer model we could take to the whole thing Um, and so my goal is just to get you to lean in let me uh let me lead you into ephesians 2 the first part of all of Ephesians chapter 2 is this beautiful picture where Paul basically tells the same story twice, okay? He tells the same story twice, and in the first half of the story, the story he's telling um, is this, uh, this thing of we go from um, being dead in our sins to being made alive in God and then sent out into the world because we're his workmanship created to do good works. There's this, in the first half of Ephesians 2, this beautiful story he's telling of our personal redemption where we're dead in our sins, Jesus, God intervenes. We're dead, we can't respond, we can't do anything, but God steps in, intervenes, makes us alive, and so therefore now we are his workmanship. It's a beautiful um, picture, it's how we came to be saved, it's our faith in God, it's the spirit living in us, beautiful, powerful. The crazy thing is that in the second half of Ephesians 2, we don't spend as much time talking about this section. Paul tells the exact same story using very, very similar terminology, and it looks like this. You were separated, and we'll walk through this in just a second. You were separated. You were Jews and Gentiles separated from each other, and the Gentiles were on the outside. So he's saying the problem is not you're dead in your sins, but you're also, you're separated from God's people. But Christ has intervened. He's brought you near through his death on the cross, and now you are together God's building in this whole thing. Same story, same gospel, but told in two different ways with two different emphases. We individually were dead, but God intervened, and so now we're his workmanship sent into the world to do good works. The second part of that story is this beautiful reminder that, yes, we were warring people groups, we were separated from God's people, but Christ, through his blood, died to bring us together, to be this building, this group of citizens owning a thing together. Um, So the whole point in Ephesians 2 is your salvation matters. And your membership in the family of God matters. Um, the spirit in your soul matters, but also the Holy Spirit in our church family matters. Um, and so let's, let's just kind of see how he unfolds this. I'm not going to go as in-depth as I normally do with these, but I want us to see the big themes that Paul's laying out here. So verses 11 and 12. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So whereas the problem in the first half of Ephesians 2 is that we're dead in our sins, we can't do anything good on our own, and we're off um, in this spiritual death. Here he's saying, you were these Gentiles that were, God's people were over here with party hats on, and they had the temple, and God was in their midst, and they had these covenants, and these promises, and everything was for them, but you were Gentiles, and so you were outside. And the Jews, unfortunately, at that time, were actively excluding anybody else from coming in and being part of that. If you wanted to be part of what God was doing in the world, you had to change your whole ethnicity, your whole culture, everything become um, a full Jewish person uh, to the greatest extent that you could be, and then you might have a taste of it. And so he's saying, look at the problem here. This This is a problem that's just as big as the problem of our individual sin that separates us from God is this. You were a group of people that were separated out and you were isolated. It's showing like the tragedy of what separation and isolation is. The reality is in our spiritual life, so many of us live this way. Like we live like, I will figure out my spiritual life on my own. I don't need the other people. They're just fellow attenders of the same services. They're just um, people that probably believe in Jesus on their own. But I, I can do it on my own, on my own time, on my own rhythms, in the way that I want to. But Paul is painting that attitude, being separated from the body of what God is doing in this world, being separated from them. He's saying... This is a major problem. This is a tragedy. This is a spiritual uh, death, in a sense, to be separated from what God's doing in the world. Now, what happens to fix that? Here's the but Christ part. But God intervenes. But Christ intervenes. And so here's what he says in these next five verses. But now. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father." I think this is so beautiful because what he's saying is God came, Jesus came in and it wasn't just like I'll be a savior to the Jews and then in a different way I'll be a savior to the Gentiles. It's, it's Jesus dying and in his body, in his death, he is making these two groups of humanity into one. There's this uniting of people dynamic to the actual death of Jesus that parallels the, the individual salvation in the beginning of chapter 2 and here in the second half he's saying in what Jesus has done at this huge cost to himself, is he's 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 brought us near to what God is doing. We have peace, he says, from the hostility that we had with our fellow human beings. There's now one humanity instead of these two distinct humanities. We're reconciled to God, he says, in one body, um, and together, he says, we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Do you see how like corporate and communal this whole thing is? This is not like I'm 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 doing church on a podcast on my own and I'm fine. This is like no Jesus literally died. A, a huge piece of why Jesus actually died was so that we could be joined to the people that are around us. I mean, that's crazy, right? Think of how vital our salvation is. I'm dead in my sins, I cannot save myself, and I need Jesus to lay down his life, to shed his blood so that I can be healed and made spiritually alive and reconciled to God. That is so vital, that's the gospel, right? But here Paul retells the story again, and he says, in the same way, like the same comparison works, that you were separated out, and you were on your own, and you couldn't be part of what God was doing in his people, but Jesus valued so much your connection to a church family that he shed his blood, and at the cost of his own life, he joined you together with a group of people so that you could be a new humanity joined together. I mean, that is like, how much does God value This, right? Us as a church family, not us as service attenders, not us as consumers of what a church is doing, but us as a family. How much does God value that? The answer is, He values it so much that He gave His Son to die and to make it a reality. That is unbelievable. Um, To me, it just shows how valuable it is. It shows how much is at stake. We either value what Jesus did or we didn't. And if we're going to value what Jesus did for us, it means asking, Why? Jesus, why did you do it? What were you hoping to accomplish with this? Paul is making that clear. And so the vision on the other side of that, um, starting in verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit." See Paul's visions for this is like okay you were strangers you were aliens you were separated but now in Christ in the same way that individually God uh, making us alive in Christ makes us His workmanship sent out into the world to do good works He's saying now in Christ you are fellow citizens with these other with these other saints right you like you belong to each other um, and He's saying you're made into this this um, you're members of God's house like members of His family you belong now to a family this is what God was doing in sending Jesus to die we stand on this foundation that the apostles built. Ultimately, Jesus is the cornerstone of that foundation. And the whole thing, he says, is built together as a structure. We're a building that's joined together by every piece of us. We're all the building blocks in the structure, and it's a weak, falling apart, incomplete structure if some of us are not locked into place as God is building this thing together. The structure, he says, by the way, is the temple of God. Israel had the temple physically, impressively, in the middle of the whole thing where they could see God's glory. And Paul's saying, we, in the New Testament sense, we as the modern church have, uh, we are the temple of God. We're built together as this place, this structure where God lives, the temple of God, and God dwells in our midst among all of that. A powerful, powerful picture um, of what it's meant to be for us to be the church together. So what does this mean? I... I want nothing more than for us to see Paul's vision of what that would look like and say, like all of us say together, I care about that. That sounds amazing. That matters. I believe that that's possible. And let's try to explore, prioritize that and explore what could that actually look like. I'm I'm not sure that the world has ever seen what this could actually look like, you know? especially today, especially today where churches are brands, where churches are trying to get a market share, and we're all just trying to like do our own thing. I, I really believe there's something to what Paul's saying that if we just believed and said, Lord, could you, could you show us what that really looks like? Could we believe it and value it enough that we're willing to try to step further into that? Um, it, like, I think we would see some reality to it. This whole thing, I... Um, I, I am a very optimistic person in almost every way, um, but when I when I look ahead, so we talk about vision Sunday, what's coming next, what's ahead. I, I'm not a very like. Um, Uh, impressive, programmatic strategy type of a person. So I'm not thinking out like five years, okay, we're gonna have X, Y, Z programs locked into place. We're gonna accomplish um, these metrics and things. And um, I'm not into like big, impressive, impressive initiatives. All those things have their place. Of course, there's strategy in what we're doing. Of course, there's programs in what we're doing and how we're getting there. But for me, it's like looking at passages like this and saying, what if we could actually begin to lean into and live like this? Eugene Peterson um, is, a, um, is a pastor that he, he, his books have been really influential, but he pastored a small little mountain congregation for his entire pastoring career. Um, he has a book called Working the Angles, where he's trying to call pastors back to uh, the soul of what pastoring is all about. Um, so listen to how he describes modern American church here. He says, the pastors of America have metamorphosed into a company of shopkeepers, and the shops they keep are churches. They're preoccupied with shopkeepers' concerns, how to keep the customers happy, how to lure customers away from the competitors down the street, how to package the goods so that the customers will lay out more money. Some of them are very good shopkeepers. They attract a lot of customers, pull in great sums of money, develop splendid reputations, yet it is still shopkeeping. Religious shopkeeping, to be sure, but shopkeeping all the same. The marketing strategies of the fast-food franchise occupy the waking minds of these entrepreneurs. What what he's saying, and this is really scathing. And I um, I'm not trying to be um, all judgy of everybody else. This is this is just what we're all taught. Ministry is meant to be. And Eugene Peterson wrote this book to try to call pastors back from Hey, hey, it's not marketing. It's not strategy. It's not business. It's church. We're not we're not trying to keep a shop and get everybody into it to buy our stuff. The problem he sees is that what happens is when we do these things, when we act like shopkeepers and we make our churches something that we need to be built bigger, better reputations, um, more impact, more money, more um, bigger buildings, those kinds of things, he says when we do that, the problem is everybody in our churches will only applaud because we've been taught to applaud, right? We, that's what we want because we've been taught that that's what we want. And so we go after these things and he says there's no one in any church that's going to say like, hey, we shouldn't be going after the bigger, better, more impressive thing We should be going after the simpler things. But Eugene Peterson is saying, that's not what it is to be a pastor. It's not what it is to be a church. And so his call in this book is to to call pastors to three things, prayer, scripture, and discipleship. And he says, if we just got back to those three things, he's like, that's all the Lord has ever called you to do as a pastor, is to pray and to invest yourself in scripture and to teach that to the people around you and to disciple people. He uses the word spiritual direction for that. He says, that's all the Lord's ever asked us to do. And somehow we've come up with this whole alternate job description. And everyone's just applauding for that. And he's saying, get back to the things that matter. No one's gonna ask for those things. No one's gonna expect those things. No one's gonna know to applaud when you're doing those things. He said, it's all behind the scenes, and it's not flashy, but he says, that's what the Lord has called you to pursue. So here's what he says. The biblical fact is that there are no successful churches. There are, instead, communities of sinners gathered before God week after week in towns and villages all over the world. The Holy Spirit gathers them and does his work in them. In these communities of sinners, one of the sinners is called pastor and given a designated responsibility in the community. The pastor's responsibility is to keep the community attentive to God. It is this responsibility that is being abandoned in spades. I just love this picture of a church is something weak and small, right? Like his, his, his picture, it's just, hey, just a group of sinners, right? They get together and say, hey, we want to be attentive to God together. And then you, you look to someone like me, like our elders, like our ministry staff, and you're just like, hey, could you help keep us, like, focused on who God is? And we're like, sure, I'm super broken, but yes, I will, I will try to do, the, to the best of my ability, try to do that. And then together in these, like, areas, as this broken little group of people, we see Paul's words. This is what Paul's describing. A group of little broken sinners like that but becoming the temple of God, the place where when if people want to see the glory of God, they come and they look and they say somehow God's glory is being lived out in this group of people that are just a bunch of little building blocks that are built together into something bigger. My, um, my, my prayer for us, like, as I'm, as I'm looking at like what's ahead and what do I get excited about and what do I think God's bringing Creeks at, I, I'll say this. I think we're in a uh, a very healthy place as a church in many ways. Not completely, not in every way, but in many ways. And I think all of the health that we've seen over the last few years comes from simply this. We've been praying more than we ever have. We've been leaning into simple truths of Scripture more than we ever have, and we've been living together as a family more than we ever have. I, I think we need to grow in our, um, our outreach to our community, and I want to see that. I think we want to be more, a little more strategic in how we do missions and things like that. That's all going to come, too but I think we're at this place where there's just been a lot of humility because there's had to be a lot of humility. And we're in this place where I think we're drawn to something restful where we're saying our whole mission statement is that we want to glorify God by finding life in Jesus together and inviting others to do the same. That's so simple, right? That's so unimpressive. And yet I'm telling you, to the extent that we've experienced that this last few years, it has been life-changing. It's been profound. And I think that's exactly what the church is meant to be. So looking ahead, where are we going from here? Um, I want us to dive into these things that Eugene Peterson um, says. I want us to start now diving into uh, prayer. I want us to be a prayerful people. I'm going to pray a lot. I'm, I'm building a rhythm into my, my life as I focus on being a sheep rather than a shepherd over the next few months. I'm going to be praying, um, I hope, more than I ever have. And I'm, I'm so excited about what that looks like. I want to invite you guys to do the same. Be people that are praying. And when I come back in August, um, as we are praying people, um, we're going to do more strategic, more structured, more organized things around prayer in the fall. And I'm really excited to see what that looks like. Um, in the fall, we're going to dive heavier into discipleship than we ever have been. There's pieces moving. I'm really excited. You're going to get invited into being part of what discipleship looks like in a way that's um, more robust than we've seen in the last few years as we're kind of coming back from COVID. I'm really excited about how that simple reality is going to transform us. We're going to lean more into community um, in the fall. Um, And as I look ahead, I want us to, to, to be focused on this. We are the church, okay? The church isn't Creekside. The church isn't a building. The church isn't a staff. um, We are the church. So I think we could be a church in the modern definition and never really be a church in the biblical definition of that. And I want us to see and believe this has got to be possible. Jesus died to accomplish us being a building together for the Spirit of God, a temple for the Spirit of God. It has to be possible. And I want us to be intrigued by that, fascinated by that, and just begging God, make that real for us. I want us to invest ourselves, give ourselves to each other. As a pastor, I feel like often the the best gift I can give to each of you is each other. Like, just invest in each other. Have the awkward conversation. Introduce yourself for the fifth time to somebody else. Um, Go up to someone that you think is way too cool to talk to you. Um, We're all dorks here, okay? And just get to know each other and lean into that. I want to see that, and I think as we do that, as we lean into community, we're finding life in Jesus together. As we do that, he's going to connect us more and more and more. These relationships get stronger and stronger. The extent to which we're there for each other in our pains and in our joys gets deeper and deeper. We then become so much greater in our ability to um, have something compelling to invite other people into. The the best examples of people um, in our community Coming to see Jesus that I've seen, like coming to see Jesus, be impacted by him. It has been through these relational dynamics where either individually or together we're just going out and we're blessing people where they live, where we work, um, in our neighborhoods. And I, I just man, there's so much more there that we haven't even begun to touch. So there's my short, um, my short heartfelt plea and. Um, and uh, I'm excited for you guys to spend this summer talking about things like prayer and scripture and uh, meditation. Like, it's going to be a beautiful, relaxing summer in that sense, and I cannot just wait to come back in the fall and give you guys each like a thousand hugs and, um, and just like dive into this all together. So, um, and then from, from here, so from here, we're going to step into our, um, our annual meeting um, part of the morning. Um, and I just want you to, I want you to hear in all the details. So we'll talk about a bylaw. Nobody cares about the bylaws. But what the bylaws do is they, they shape the way that we function together, right? It's like, it like sets a cultural expectation of who we are. And so the bylaw change you're going to see is meant to be like, hey, let's get more of our members like involved in the process in speaking into what we're doing together. I think that's beautiful. We talk about the budget. It's like, it's like all this financial investment that you guys give week in and week out as you give your, your tithe, as you give your giving um, to the church. It's us saying, hey, here's what God's provided. Um, here's how we're planning to spend and that, so it, it doesn't matter in terms of dollars and cents. It does matter in terms of stewardship, and it matters in terms of um, focus and emphasis and what God's allowing us to do um, through our pooled resources. We're so much better together than we are individually, and that it matters in our finances. We're going to talk about the elders, who God is, um, just people that God has raised up and, and are leading our church. So um, I want you to, as we go through the business meeting, um, pay attention to the heart in the details of all these things. Let me pray for us as we get ready to launch into that. Lord, thank you so much for this family. i Thank you that we can be here together. Thank you that we can learn and grow in you. Thank you that we can pay attention to what it is that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, that you died to enable us to be a family together. Lord, I confess that I have zero idea what that really looks like. And I just pray that it would more and more and more become a reality for us. That we'd be touched by this vision of, of being joined together, that we lean into and invest in connecting with each other for the sake of knowing you better and experiencing the life that you offer more deeply. and I pray that our community and our world would be transformed as we do that. Uh, be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.